to Set the Stage to Engage, where we are focused on helping teachers set the stage for their students to learn and grow and stay engaged throughout their lessons. I am your math-minded host, Allie Gerardo. And I am your love for literacy host, Grace Smith. On today's episode of Set the Stage to Engage, we are focusing on student engagement and how to use feedback and student ownership to make your life easier as a teacher and see growth in your students. So before we get into the good stuff, we want you to get to know us a little. I have taught third and fourth grade math for seven years. I was a district math demonstration teacher and I modeled countless lessons for other teachers in our district. I have a passion for teaching kids math and showing them all the real world connections they already have to math. I'm kind of a math nerd, which is why I'm your math host. And I have a love for literacy. I have taught third grade as well as a transitional third grade class to help our most intensive students grow to their full potential. I am also a subject matter expert with the South Carolina Department of Education. I am so glad to be joining Allie today as we share tips and tricks to help you engage your students in their learning process by using purposeful feedback and enforcing student ownership of learning. Grace, you have experience in the virtual setting more than I do. I've taught for several years, but a majority were in the classroom. Engagement was something that was a focus no matter what setting I taught in. So I want to kick it off by asking you a question. How did you keep your students engaged when teaching virtually while your students were face-to-face? I know that this is something a lot of teachers can relate to with the pandemic. I have taught in virtual face-to-face and hybrid formats. I've even taught face-to-face using a double robot from home. Yes, I know it sounds crazy. We could do a whole podcast series on that. But what I've come to realize is it does not matter if you're teaching face-to-face, from a computer, or even from a robot. One of the most important pieces of student success is student engagement. When it comes to engaging students virtually, I've actually found a lot of overlap between instructional practices and the face-to-face and virtual environments. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are so many ways to engage students beyond what teachers may think. It is as simple as providing meaningful feedback and creating a positive student-led learning culture. And I totally agree with you, Grace. When we get kids involved in the learning process and excited about the content, the setting really doesn't matter. It's really about how we respond to kids and their mistakes that matters the most. We are really trying to create a classroom culture of feedback, and that is how we respond, but also how students respond to each other. In math, mistakes are happening all the time, and sometimes it's just a small error, and other times it's a full-on misconception. But our responses to these mistakes, it has to be seen as an opportunity for a quality learning experience so we can help our kids grow. This leads us to tip number one. Create a feedback culture where mistakes are seen as learning opportunities. And feedback is huge, Allie, for every single subject area. Oral feedback is what I use frequently. It was huge with my transitional third grade class. I use conferring in my room a lot, so I take about 10 to 15 minutes a day to circulate the class. You won't be able to get to each student every day, but I prefer to keep track of who I'm meeting with and take notes using an objectives checklist. Conferring one-on-one is a great opportunity for students to share what they are proud of, but also where they need more clarity. And teachers can scaffold and direct this learning, but I think it's a good idea to always let the students communicate their perception of their ideas and their needs first. 
Oh my gosh, I love how you said that. Having students communicate their perception of their ideas. Um, in math, I have found kids are way more confident in explaining their thinking than writing about it, which is fine. So I just use where they're at and I meet them there with my first goal of the year just being, let's talk about math. Let's get comfortable justifying our reasoning, explaining our strategies, and this kind of feedback, being able to orally explain, they're actually giving me feedback as their teacher, but also helping the other kids in the room listen to how they solved a strategy and kids can start to learn from each other and not just me, the teacher. Yes, and that is a beautiful thing to see, Allie. Peer-to-peer -peer feedback is crucial. And one way that I do this in my classroom is turn in talks to promote a positive feedback culture. And you can call these partners whatever you want. I've heard pair share partners, shoulder partners, or any kind of catchy name that your students will remember. I personally call them chips and queso partners in my room because they know that that's one of my favorite foods. I love that. <laughs> so it's really easy for them to remember. But with the turn and talks, I set those glow and grow expectations. Students will share what they found that was awesome with their partner's writing, but then also share an idea for how they can make it better. So they get ideas from their partner, and I love to see this, especially in writing, and we call this trying out craft moves. For example, a student might see how their partner used onomatopoeia to make their writing more engaging and decide to try out the strategy on their own writing and this was directed learning from their peer it wasn't something I directed them to as a teacher and so it's great to see students bouncing ideas off of each other. I totally agree with that it's it's a beautiful thing to see kids bouncing ideas off each other learning from each other. Um, one way that all of our listeners who are looking for something that they can implement right away is using student work to create that culture of feedback by looking at how a student solved a math problem or looking at the way they structured their sentences and their writing. Um, you can use a document camera or have students solve on the board in math, but having students or giving students really just the opportunity to see their classmates solve the problems, um, it does support that culture of feedback, but also it gets kids to take ownership of their learning and what they're supposed to be doing. They know that their work would be shown on the document camera or for their peers to see. So I think it gives that motivation for them to do it the correct way, but also try their hardest. Exactly. And I use a document camera in my room every day. Share time is huge in my room, and it's a crucial part of the workshop model, which we're going to discuss more in our podcast. However, peer learning whole group is a great time for students to display their work under their document camera, be proud of it, receive accolades for it, but also receive some feedback from other students and their teacher. I have my students use the sentence frame, I appreciate. So I start with one and then I choose a couple students to give one as well. I remind them to try to give shout outs for what our learning target for today was. So for example, if we're working on writing impactful leads, I encourage them to give an appreciation based on what that learning focus was. This is a great way to wrap up the lesson as it promotes that student ownership of the learning target. So for not only their own writing, but they're able to evaluate a peer. Student ownership was a huge focus in my classroom too, Grace, and using success criteria and checklists in math and in writing to break down those learning targets kept kids on track and focused for each day and then bringing them back together at the end of the lesson, not just to close the lesson, but 
Did we reach our learning intention for the day? Did you do what you were supposed to do today to show that you learned this learning target? So that actually leads us into tip number two. Use success criteria as a checklist in your classroom. So students know what they will be learning and where they're gonna go next during each lesson. We're setting the stage for students on what they're going to learn and how they're gonna show that they have learned it. We give them explicit criteria to follow to know they are successful learning the content. This is true across all content areas. You are right on target with this. Success criteria is essential to set the stage for engagement and success. One way that I do this, Allie, is using student checklists. Rubrics and checklists are huge for teachers. However, student checklists are great for students to be able to evaluate their own learning and progress. These checklists go hand in hand with our learning objectives for the unit. So for example, the Units of Study Writing Curriculum provides teacher checklists and learning progressions, but it also provides a student copy with student-friendly verbiage. So it gives a checklist point for each objective of the writing unit and students can rate themselves as yes, almost, or not yet. And students who rate themselves as not yet or almost know they have some editing to do. This is a great checkpoint before turning in a final writing so that students can effectively edit and revise based on what they are graded on. Students can then use this checklist to revise independently, edit with a partner, or ask for feedback and guidance from the teacher. So the possibilities are endless, but it starts with the student and their own evaluation of their progress. And that is what student ownership is all about. It promotes a culture of student accountability for their learning. Such great ideas, Grace. Student checklist keeps students on track and supporting that culture of feedback we were talking about earlier. Um, staying consistent with the checklist and success criteria between subject areas is crucial. We already have to state our learning intentions and our learning targets, whatever you call it, every day. We all have to do that. So it's how we're using those learning intentions and explaining them and breaking them down for students. So it's in terms that they understand, but also they understand exactly what they need to be learning. Something I always tell my kids is, you know what you know and you know what you don't know and it's all up here in your brain, so it's your job to show me and tell me so I can help you. Um, and a lot of uh, examples of checklisting success criteria will be in the show notes, so I hope our listeners check those out. You can adapt them to your subject area or your class, so definitely go ahead to the show notes after and check those out. Yes and yes. I know you have put <laughs> a lot of focus on math and I have focused on literacy, but it sounds like it does not matter. Success criteria is useful across all subjects. I've loved watching the videos of you teach using success criteria in your room and your students' academic vocabulary. Oh my goodness, it is amazing because of it. With a little bit of quality feedback and descriptive success criteria, your students will begin to take more ownership of their learning and stay engaged in the content. Yeah, bottom line is, guys, the kind of feedback that we are giving to students, it matters. And students are more successful when we give them explicit criteria of what they are learning and how they're going to get there and teacher support to help them get there. We hope that you can take something away from this podcast and use it to benefit your instruction and your students' learning today. We had so much fun talking about feedback and success criteria with you. Wait, there's more. Did you enjoy today's topic and are looking for more ideas of how to foster student engagement in your classroom? To learn more about the instructional practices behind these tips, 
With visual examples and resources, check out our podcast extension on this series, See It to Believe It, Highlighting Pedagogy. You can check it out on our website at stage2engage.wixsite.com slash mysite. And remember, it's up to you to set the stage to engage in your classroom. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.